teach me your way. Oh Lord, teach me your way. That is a prayer that we sing together. It's a prayer that really is reminiscent of the prayer of our Lord Jesus Christ whenever he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, hours away from the cross, hours away from his great trial. And he prayed that prayer. He prayed that God would spare him. He prayed that God the Father, if there's any other way for your salvation to come about, if there's any other way to, to have this cup of suffering pass over him, please make it happen. But that's, that's not where Jesus stops his prayer. Jesus becomes the par excellence of full submission to the Father above. He says, not my will, but thy will be done. And when we pray that prayer, when we say, teach me your way, O Lord, in many ways we are echoing that prayer in the garden. And it's not an easy prayer to pray. It is a prayer that we have to grow into, no matter what our circumstances may be. Which brings us to our theme this morning, the theme that's really under the umbrella theme of this year, the theme of Renew. And we've looked at four different areas, or we're looking at four different areas. We're challenging Brentwood Oaks to consider, to pay attention to God's movement in our lives along these areas, areas of encountering God in 2020, uh, belonging to the community. What can we do to belong uh, to the group among us? Serving in the manner, in the pattern of our Lord Jesus Christ. And today we're going to look at the theme of growing or continuing to grow. So like sharks, Christians, we have to constantly be swimming. We have to be moving forward lest we die spiritually. And this morning we're going to have some opportunity to think about and to listen in on where God is moving among us, calling us to grow. What are those specific areas? And to help us hone in on this theme, we're going to look at the Gospel of Mark one more time. Uh, Mark chapter 8, beginning in verse 22. Uh, Mark is my favorite gospel. I've mentioned that before. And this passage is one of the reasons why I love the gospel of Mark. It's the healing of a blind man. And at first it looks like a failure of a healing. But as we read and as we listen in, we know this is anything but a failure. There are many layers to this story, many things going on. And as I mentioned last week, the outline of this section is in, in the middle of the Gospel of Mark is this journey of Jesus between these two healings of blind men. So you have the first one here, you have the other healing in chapter 10, and in between you have this journey of Jesus to Jerusalem with his disciples, and it's in this journey where he predicts his death three times. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. Jesus is on his way to the cross. So let's hear this story, and as we listen in on Mark chapter 8, let's keep that theme of journey and growing in the back of our minds. So hear the word of God from Mark chapter 8, beginning in verse 22. And they came to Bethsaida. And some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand 
and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And he sent him to his home, saying, Do not even enter the village. May God bless the reading of his word. One of my most painful memories growing up is going clothes shopping with my mother. And some of you may share this experience of sitting there in the fitting room and having piles of pants being handed to you and being inspected. You know, after three or four, five pairs of pants, there were times when I tried to sabotage, I tried to make it look like these pants fit in any, any form or fashion, but it still couldn't pass the inspection test. I would hear things like, oh, these are too short, these are too long, too tight, there's too much room in the back. It's hard to find pants for a growing boy. Now, in, in listening into the prayers that Robert and Ron gave, it, that, that's a blessing when you think about it, having those kinds of choices, and those choices are not afforded to people all over the world, and maybe you grew up not having those choices as well. I still wake up in a cold sweat, dreaming of being in the fitting room. I'm on the other side of that now, though. I have kids that are growing, and we have to buy them clothes. And they're growing like weeds. And it's hard to predict how long will these pair of pants last. And so if you're a little thrifty, maybe uh, Dave Ramsey talks about this in his class, I don't know. Uh, but you buy pants that are a little too big, a little too long, and maybe there are a few months of awkwardness as your child is walking around in pants that clearly don't fit, but uh, you're confident they will eventually fit. Uh, there's a phrase that we use. You'll grow into it. You'll grow into it. Well, that phrase has some spiritual implications when we think about it. It hits us on a spiritual level. We talked a little bit about this last week and the fact that we are all being conformed to some type of pattern. We are all growing into something that's larger than ourselves. And in the Gospel of Mark, when we look at the disciples, we see that there is a lot of room for growth. And this morning it might seem a little strange to be talking about the disciples because they're hardly mentioned here. We know that they're there somewhere in this story. They're not even mentioned, though, because this is a story about a blind man. Or is it? Well, I want to make the suggestion that the blind man in this story is really a stand-in for the disciples. Not that this story didn't happen. I believe it did. I believe it happened in the way that it happened, the way it is portrayed here in Mark. But much like the gospel signs in John, the book of John, I think that this miracle is pointing to a larger reality. I think there are layers to this story. 
I don't think that, there's, that this partial healing of a blind man was some sort of mistake. That Jesus all of a sudden didn't have the power to heal him. So when the blind man says, I see people, but they look like trees walking, this is not a failure on Jesus' part. He heals the man easily enough in that second stage process. He lays his hands on the man's eyes again, and the man sees clearly. Jesus has the power. So the question, why the partial healing? Why this two-stage process in order to heal a blind man? Why not take care of this the first round? Well, I think this is what makes the the Gospel of Mark so powerful. Because immediately following this story is the, the passage we talked about a few weeks ago, Peter's Confession. When Jesus asked his disciples, well, what are the rumors? Who do the people say that I am? And and Peter confesses that Jesus is the Messiah of promise. Jesus is the Christ. But as we saw a few weeks ago, this is only partial vision of who the Messiah is. When Jesus begins to talk about what the Messiah is about to do, Peter can't handle it. This doesn't fit into his story. This doesn't fit into his preconceived ideas. And so he rebukes Jesus, and then Jesus rebukes Peter. Get behind me, Satan. This story follows the healing of the blind man. And in in this journey of Jesus to Jerusalem, bookended by these healings of these two blind men, Jesus predicts his death three times, right here with Peter's confession. The second time he predicts his death, what do we find the disciples doing? They're walking down the road arguing over who is the greatest. And Jesus says, what were y'all arguing about on the side of the road? And the disciples are too embarrassed to tell him, and I would be too embarrassed as well. The third and last time Jesus predicts his death is what we talked about last week. James and John come up to Jesus right after he predicts his death, and they say, Lord, can you grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at the left hand whenever you come into glory? We're going to cut in line of these other disciples. Forget the fact that there are other disciples here in the group. We want to be first in line. And this causes arguments and resentment within the group. And what we see in the story in the Gospel of Mark of the the partial healing of the blind man, what we really find is the partial blindness, the spiritual blindness of the disciples. They're the ones who have the blurred vision. These are the ones who still have a lot of growing up to do. These are the ones who are going to have to grow into what God is calling them to do and to be. And sadly, this story of partial healing is all too familiar to us this morning. I think for all of us, I think for everyone in this room who can look at themselves honestly in the mirror, and sometimes we need to have a little help from others to give an honest assessment of ourselves, but I think if we're honest, we would all say we are a work in progress. We all have some room to grow We all have partial vision of what the kingdom is all about, what the cross is all about, what God is calling us to do and to be. When we think about what Jesus is calling us to do, as the song suggested, to surrender ourselves to the will of the Father, uh, to align all aspects of our lives, our desires, our convictions, our behaviors around what God would have us do and be, to 
to really embody Jesus' prayer there in the garden and the prayer that we prayed earlier, the Lord's Prayer, that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, that God's will would be done in our own lives, not our own will. Well, this doesn't just happen overnight. This kind of decentering ourselves from the throne, from the center of our universes, this doesn't happen instantly. And to use the earlier metaphor, to, to live out what we call the cruciform life, which is a fancy way of saying a life that is shaped by the cross and that kind of surrender, that kind of mindset. To live that kind of cruciform life is much like a child who's trying on a pair of pants that will always be too big. We're never going to quite measure up. All of us have to grow into this kind of life. That's what the gospel is all about. That's what the good news is all about. That's why the story of this partial healing of the blind man, that's why all the failures of the disciples, that's why we, we resonate with those stories. We grab a hold of those stories. But the good news is that that's not where the story ends. The story doesn't end with the man looking around and seeing people looking like trees. It doesn't end with blurred vision. Jesus puts his hand on his eyes once more, and the man is given full sight. He sees with full clarity. And just like the disciples, clear vision is a process. When we read the four different accounts, the four Gospels, the, the disciples, especially in the Gospel of Mark, they are presented as dense they're the ones who have their spiritual blindness exposed over and over again in this gospel, the gospel of Mark. They fail to comprehend what Jesus is telling them. And then when the fires turned up there at the scenes of the cross, what do they do? Well, they betray, they disown, they lash out. They flee. Where are the disciples when Jesus is hanging on the cross? But that's not where they end up. After the resurrection, Jesus appears to them, and, and they grow. They start putting some things together. And Peter, and Andrew, and James, and John, and all the other disciples, when we read the book of Acts, they're not the same people they were. They're not the, the spiritual fledglings they were there in the middle of the Gospel of Mark. Something has happened by the time they get to the book of Acts. By the time when they stand in front of their interrogators and they say things like this from Acts chapter 4, when they say boldly, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to listen to God, you be the judge. But For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and what we have heard. And that kind of faith, that kind of courage, that's a process. And in the book of Acts, we read that that is a spirit-filled process, a spirit-led process. The disciples eventually grow into what God is calling them to be. And in thinking about our own lives, and thinking about our own spiritual development, there is good news and there is bad news. And we like to hear the bad news first. Well, here's the bad news. In living that kind of life, in living the cross-shaped life, the pants are always going to be too big. 
the pants will always be too long. Our perfect surrender is something that we will be growing into our entire lives. It is the never-ending fitting room experience. Well, that's the bad news. And if we left it there, well, we would have much to despair this morning. On the other side, we have the gospel. The good news of our Lord Jesus Christ and God's grace. No, we're never going to measure up. But there's one who did. There's one who lived the faithful life in perfect surrender all the way to the cross. The one who gave himself up as a ransom for many. The one who, in whose image we are being conformed on a daily basis. The one whose spirit dwells inside the new temple, the people of God, the church. His spirit is inside of us. And his spirit is at work. And yes, that, that process of becoming more Christ-like can be painful. But God is at work moving from partial vision, helping us move from that partial vision to the full vision here in Austin, Texas. We are growing. We are maturing in the faith by God's grace. And yes, we'll be growing for the rest of our lives. I love what the Apostle Paul says in his letter to the people of Philippi. He's talking about the resurrection. He says, Not that I have obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on. I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made it his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We press on and we grow and God is empowering us in this growing process. So, where is God calling us to grow in 2020? Where is He calling us to take another step toward maturity? What is that thing right now in our hearts that we are clinging to? that we can't quite surrender, and we know we should. Well, what an opportunity we have before us this year to grow another inch taller in the kingdom, to take on more of Christ-like character in our own lives. We can do this by the grace and the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. We try to walk in the steps of the Savior each and every day. We try to walk in the light. We have one another to help us on this journey. And this morning, if you would like to respond to the good news of God at work in our lives, helping us to grow into the people that He's called us to be. If there's something that you know, I need to grow in this area and I need the help of my brothers and sisters in Christ, we are ready to pray with you. We're ready to walk alongside you. If you have come to a place of faith and you have, have grown in your spiritual walk and you've been considering baptism and you're ready, 
we can accommodate that this morning. If you'd like to join in with what God is doing among us, and if you would like to become a member of this church body, to serve, to lock arms with the people here at Brentwood Oaks, we invite you to come now as we stand and as we sing.